Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Chassidus in the morning, 50 minutes. Change your life. Hachana for Purim. Yeshit Melech Esther. Maimah from Altrava. So we're in the middle of discussing about about Yom Tevim and the contrast between why when Mashiach comes, Purim is never going to get nullified, Purim Halacha. And basically, we want to explain the Maila of Yom Tev. But ultimately, that Maila is going to be what makes it not be able to be continued. So saying that there's an, there's an added thing, an added uh, godliness, and we are said, so we brought down from this Pasuk, and we're in the middle. We'll continue from there. Pasuk says, and we'll, um, I guess we'll do it in English. Yeah, who is this that rises from the wilderness? So we said, and so we, we touched this pasuk, the civil pasuk is hidden in the desert, and they have the clouds and the, the are in the, Mish, the Mishkan, but we're teaching it in a chesed So he says, who is this that rises from the wilderness? Meaning when the Jewish people are in the wilderness, we're in a place of the desert, which is barren, so you have like columns of smoke. We said that just like the smoke is the fire that consumes the liquid, you can see something that's opposite it. And smoke is different than, than a cloud because a cloud is a lot more like refined, so to speak, because it's, it's eating up less. Because remember, we're talking about eating up the, the negative forces. Perfumed with, with myrrh, we said, which is, and, and frankincense, which is, well, after, I think we're actually after the frankincense, but perfumed was, yeah, it was more like the cloud that when you've refined the, the, the cost of things and you don't work on, so then you come to more of the refined things. And that's like the myrrh, it was like that oil that they used to put on themselves, which is the chachma, we said, like it's like chachma, or which is the, brings about the bitterness of the recognition. A bitterness is not a negative thing. A bitterness is a recognition that you don't enjoy the where life's taking you and you try to work on that to change it. That's that's what that's what bitterness is. That's what we're talking about. So through the Chachma, you recognize you have the intellect, you have the wisdom to understand that you're making things, you're you're making bad decisions in your life and not getting to where you want to go. And then we have frankincense, which we'll go from there. Page 38 in this in the Herder series. And frankincense, after one has gone through this spiritual transformation and recognizes the bitterness of the past, one can then bask in the joy of spiritual ecstasy. Is a Jason's maker. And, and this is sort of an importance for bringing, you know, really, to be honest, when you think about this moment, it's like a step-by-step process that if someone wanted to sit down and really work on themselves, they could go through this. We're running through it a little bit, you know, to, to get something for Purim, but but it's it's a it's a lifelong avoider. It's recognizing what's going on in my life, having sitting and sitting down, having an honest conversation and recognizing where where are things falling behind that I don't like, that I'm not not happy about, but I'm still doing anyway. And and to have that wisdom to realize this. Try to try to consume that meaning. Try to eat it up. Try to figure out solutions to that problem. What what are things I can do? And I'm constantly trying to do this. And you, and and you deal with this thing. And when when you do, 
So then you have, it becomes much happier because you're making those better choices, you know? And it could be sitting down and writing a list for yourself. What's, where do you want to see yourself in six months, you know? And then you can take a, and then you recognize how, where am I holding versus that list and what's some steps that need to be taken. But when you do that, when you have the bitterness of recognizing, hey, I want to be in a totally different place. You know, I want to be able to run five miles and I'm sitting here eating pizza and not doing any exercise. And so that, so that could, should cause a bitterness that say, hey, this is not good. I don't want this. You know, I want to be connected to the Ebishter and I want to be doing my whole day, that everything that I do is connected to God. I want to be serving God. But then I look at my day and, and I look and I see I'm not serving God. And most of the day I'm serving my Tavis and I'm serving not God. So you sit down and you say, well, what does it look like? What, what, what would it look like for me to serve God? And what's, so what's something I can do? What's some steps I can take now in that process? Or what am I doing that's taking away from that process? And then I slowly get to that place. Yeah, not only one, yeah. This is alluded to in the continuation of the verse, the Megillah in six months with perfume. Because they, the women put on this perfume and they beautified themselves for six months before they came into the Akashverish. Bevan presents us with an increasing paradox. Although it is scent is intangible and disconcernable to the eye, even though you don't see the smell, it nonetheless causes the person pleasure and satisfaction when it seeps into the body. But when it when the smell goes in, it smells good. The same is true regarding one's spiritual joy, although this delight stems from a realm that lies beyond our comprehension, which is very interesting. I'll, I'll explain it in a second. A realm that is to us, that to us is hidden and indiscernible, alba discasia. Nonetheless, it inflames one's very heart and divine passion to joy to bask in God's radiance. And I think what he's saying is like this. When you do the right thing inside your nephew a kiss, the sensation is not the same, at least from what I understand and from my experience, the sensation is not the same as when you, when you give, when you have a pleasure of a gashmi. Meaning when you eat something, let's say, I don't know, eat ice cream or something or a good meal, or you have a good, fun, physical day, it feels good in a certain way. It's very, and that, I think we're very much connected. We understand that feeling. But when you learn, when you dive in, or when you do something nice to someone and you, you, you do something that, that feeds an actually kiss, it also feels good, but it's in, from almost discussion. It's more hidden. It's not a different type of, of, of feeling and you have to be more sensitive to it. That's what he's saying, that you do the right things, you see, at a spiritual joy. Now, the spiritual joy is not the same as when you do physical things, but it's, it's there. And then the last thing in the last part of the passage, it says, with every pattern of the merchant. This refers to the many different kinds of spiritual passions that can be, can be ignited in one's, one's soul. For the degree of passion is dependent upon one's particular spiritual standing. We can all have different levels of passion. Some people are more passionate, some people are less passionate. This is also the same idea that the feminine cosmic Cosmetics mentioned in the conclusion of the verse in the Megillah with all these cosmetics, I the various godly passions. So that's what it means. The cosmetics means the different types of referencing to passion, different types of passions, people. This the maiden, which is meaning the soul, comes before the king. So the maiden, the soul, has different types of passions, but I'm meaning and those passions that's connected to godliness, it's a soul passion, the different things that they cock in. And when you connect with those passions, that brings you in front of the king. You get to connect to the Abishna. And that was chapter four.
So now we're going to start to contrast between what happens on, on Shabbos Nyamtiv and versus Purim. So now, now all forms of elevation and drawing close to the of the Jewish people to the Holy on Shabbos Nyamtiv, every ascent, level after level, until the most supernal heights is termed the touch of the tip of the sapna. So that now we're going back to the story. So the first time uh, Esther comes to the king and she's begging. So she touches, he, he puts out the, the scepter and she touches the tip. So that touching the tip in spiritual terms is like a Shabbos and Yom To explain, the golden scepter symbolizes the transmission of divine energy. So the king, in our case, when we're talking about Achashverosh, is really refer, we're, we're referring to it because we're talking, remember, we stripped the layers of the physical story. The spiritual story, the king's referencing to the Abishter's God, also explains Achashverosh because Achashverosh, the beginning and the end is his, which is God. And the putting out of the scepter, the scepter is, is God's giving, the, the divine transmission of godliness. So by the beginning, by Shabbos, Yom Tov, God, good, you can only, there's only a tip that you can take from it. Yeah, the golden scepter is the divine, divine final creation, from the highest realms to the lowest worlds. As it is written, the golden scepter, that he may live. What it says? It is therefore impossible for the soul to receive life from the entire scepter. For the spiritual light would prove to be too intense. Rather, the soul can merely accept an emanation from the tip of the scepter, with the actual scepter remaining in the king's hands. In the soul, this emanation expresses itself as an intense burning love for God. So just like in the story, so he's saying the reason why you only touch the tip is because if you touched everything, it's God's giving. That scepter is like God's giving. And if he gave full, and you, meaning you took full, it would be too much for you. You couldn't handle it. And in spiritual terms, for ourselves, that's in a general sense. But in the, in the specific sense, this emanation expresses itself as an intense burning love for God, like a flame surging upward, is therefore called the higher gold, and the gold of the offering up. But just like not of Navio, you have to be careful coming too much, and that's why it's going to touch the scepter. Two parts of love for the God. And we said there's two types. We're going to try to skip this a little bit. So go for it. There's two types of love. There's a servant common and mal common. There's love of God, as you see God interact in your world. And then there's a love of God, which is that he's above everything and, and you have that awe of him. And you'll see. The most intense measure of the divine passion, however, is aroused by meditating on the essence of God himself, Atmos, the top of the septum. The essence of God is what, the essence of God is to what the dictum, no mind can ask him at all, refers. Such terms as greatness, eminence, and transcendence can only, can only be used when discussing the emanation of divine energy. That animates creation. Atmos, however, which is beyond creation, cannot be labeled. So we're talking about there's another level which is called Atmos, which is God's essence, which is above labels. It's it's the pure. It's like the top of the septum. Yeah, I'm trying to skip through a little bit. I want to get to the main point. Yeah, and this this is this is essence. That's so he just keeps on talking about the essence. So we understand the essence, and and there's a lot more details to to really appreciate this. But for now, we'll just skip through it. But but, and this is sort of the Chiddush, so if we're going to say like this, if we're going to say in Shabbos and Yom Tov, we can't handle the, the God's giving the scepter coming forward to only touch to revert, so what's, so then how could anything else be greater than that? So he's saying because when you come to Atmos, and this is sort of a typical, like, Vart uh, and when you come to Atmos, the greatness of God is, is the humility. Here you'll see. His greatness, therefore, is truly his humility. He descends and gathers himself within greatness so that his kingdom be kingdom of all the worlds. As the verse says, the Lord will sit as a king for the world. 
this is what is also meant by the verse, and you, Holy One, Kadesh, are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. There can only be praise of Israel once God has humbled and lowered himself to be enthroned as the king of creation. Truly, you are Kadesh, completely removed and beyond creation. Hashem, it's this paradox. On the one hand, Hashem is totally removed, but his, his humility is that he can come down into being into this physical world. So when Meshach comes, however, Hashem's true radiance will shine with the awesome brilliant light. I, the essence of God, will flow from the level where I, God, have not changed. Past, present, and future all at once. All flesh will perceive with the physical intellect that God will be revealed as the sun earlier. But when Mashiach comes, that level of, of Atmos will be revealed down here in a, in a tangible way. So moreover, this manifestation will occur specifically in our lowly physical world. For as our sages explain in the verse, it is asked of Yaakov in Yisrael, what has God wrought? It is this, the question diminishing angels will ask of the tzaddikim. And instead of the angels asking, where is the place of his holy? They will answer, his glory fills the world. They're going to say, where is the Abishta? Where is God fine? Where do, you, where do you have God's glory, God's essence in this physical low world? And this is the meaning of the verse. A woman of excellence is a crown of a husband. The divine radiance that is manifest now to the Jewish people is called her husband. When Mashiach comes, however, the, the Jewish people will be in infinitely greater spiritual standing than her husband. The divine radiance for them will see the essence of God himself. So instead of it being the crown, which is just an addition to it, but it will be God himself. And as that's written, the maiden of Israel has fallen, she will no longer rise. The world will be so completely permeated with godliness that it will not be necessary for Israel to rise, not experience spirituality. Yeah, meaning, meaning now to get spiritual, you have to go do something. You have to connect. You have to remove, so to speak, the, the concealment that the world brings. And you have to push yourself against so to speak, the nature of the world. When Mashiach comes, you wouldn't have that, but it would be so obvious. And tomorrow, we're going to finish off explaining what's Purim all about in comparison. But we explained, just to finish off, we explained that on in Shabbos and Yom Tov, you have this radiation, you would call sort of an additional light of godliness, and the scepter comes out, but it's, it's powerful enough that, that we can't receive it clearly. And that's why we touch the scepter, because the scepter is like God putting out is giving, but we are not able to receive more or too much, so we just touch the scepter. Whereas in the story of Purim, the second time it happens, he puts out the scepter and, she, and Esther grabs onto the scepter and pulls herself up. She can hold the whole scepter. So how is that possible and how do we get this? Which ultimately we're going to say that's Purim. And so Mr. Shem, tomorrow, we should do it. We should learn. Yeah, and finish it off. Have a great day.